Hello, I'm John Kenny, the Relationship Guy, and Relationship Coach, helping people to create healthy, intimate relationships. Welcome to the show, the show where we talk about all things relationships with a mix of my own relationship ramblings and some great guests from all walks of life who will be discussing the importance of relationships to them. Hello, so my guest today is a relationship coach and has been a Buddhist leader for over 30 years. They steer women over 50 from doubt to decision in their long-term relationships, leveraging a deep understanding of human connection and conflict. She's a source of hope and advice for people who want to create fulfilling partnerships. Welcome to the show, Corey Josias. Thank you very much, John. Nice to be here. Thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on the show today. It's a pleasure having you on. That was a very brief introduction about who you are and what you do. So please tell the listeners a bit more about yourself. Of course, of course. So um, really, my story came out of a difficult divorce. And I realized that there were women. I decided to get divorced in my late 50s. And I realized that there were women who had probably been on the fence for a long time in their relationships. And didn't have the courage to leave because when you do something radical like that in your late fifties, after 20 years, Mm -hmm. it's a really big step. You have to put on your big girl pants or your big boy pants as it were, because I think it's probably the same for men. Mm -hmm. And so I realized I had a passion for helping people because what unfolded in my life is that I became more of the person I was meant to be at the outset and that all of that had been, I I had pushed all of that down in my relationship. You'll find when you talk to me, I, I take as much responsibility as I can. Mm-hmm. So I realized that there was um, an opportunity to help people who are in that weird place between thinking there's something really wrong and should they stay or should they go? Yeah. And if they felt they really wanted to stay to help them work on the parts parts of their relationship that wasn't working. Mm -hmm. And if they felt they wanted to go to be like, sort of let's link arms and let's, let's do this. I've got your back. Okay. And you use what, um, so you're using your, your own personal experience of coming to that decision for yourself Mm -hmm. and in, and in your, in your approach to helping people to do that, what kind of things do you work on with people in that space? It's very difficult to, you can't sort of put a one-stop shop on that because the, the this emerged from me working with people who were going through divorce. Yeah. And then I thought there was something in that space and it's very individual. So I, I have a range of tools I used. One of the biggest ones that I've come across in recent years is the idea of people having personality types, archetypes that play out in their relationship. And this whole idea that you and I, know that opposites really do attract um and that you know there's this whole there's this saying in relationships he completes me or she completes me and while i don't really love that expression because it implies that you're not whole on your own there is an aspect of it that's really true because you have this person because they're sort of a, an opposite what we call a dynamic tension opposite they're they're helping you fill in it's like they fill in the gaps where you fall short 
And so that's a really great reason to start a relationship. But the thing that started the relationship often becomes the problem. And so that's one of the ways, one of the many ways and multiple ways I help people in their relationships to to have a transformation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that, that difference, like you said, it can be attractive at the start. In what way would you say that that could then become a problem later on in the relationship? Uh, I, well, what do you think, John? I mean, when you when you meet someone and all their little foibles are really cute, you know, and you're just all loved up and the hormones are just flying around the place mm-hmm. and you think, ah, oh, isn't that cute that um, let's just take, for example, um, someone who doesn't who avoids conflict and doesn't like conflict and is very loving and affectionate and warm Mm -hmm. if you are you know you're and that's why you're drawn to them then you realize that they're the person who won't stand up who won't say no who won't engage in conflict and that Mm -hmm. suddenly becomes an irritation Mm -hmm. the thing that we don't realize we're in when we're in that situation is that that is actually the person's operating system that's how they're wired so if they're wired in that way why are we expecting them to be somewhere else so it's about in a relationship it's about finding a meeting point somewhere closer to the center and of course if i'm coaching someone the responsibility the onus is on the person i'm coaching and if it doesn't evoke the right response from their partner mm-hmm. then it's probably a no-go yeah 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 an example i could think of is when i get when i work with especially women that are in a kind of a high-powered space is that the men that are that they date are attracted to their confidence they're attracted to their success they're attracted to all of those really positive things that go with that and then after a little while they start to feel a bit insecure maybe a little bit inferior and they try and knock them down and criticize them and and they, and they become less and less comfortable with this person that's sorted and in their own space and 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 is managing their life very well gosh and to be fair it takes a hell of a guy to stand up in that situation mm. and let the woman own her space mm. so yeah i can i can see how that would come about yeah definitely great example perfect example and you, and you mentioned the word archetypes earlier. Could you tell us a little bit more for, for people to kind of understand what, what you mean by that? Absolutely. Thanks for thanks for asking me that, because it's not nice when you just bandy some jargon about. <laughs> so um, in this context, I have been working with a guy called Rory Kilmartin. He's a very interesting man, and he did 12 years of intensive relation, uh, relationship research. And what he <laughs> came to archetypes have been used by people like Carl Jung. I know less about that, but an archetype is in this context is an operating system. And what Rory discovered is that we have the immature archetypes, which he's given animal names to make them really easy to understand. So you have wolf, gorilla, sheep, and fox. And each of them has, you know, most people will fit somewhere in that constellation and Mm -hmm. they're sort of opposite. So the wolf is the opposite of the sheep and the gorilla is the opposite of the fox. And he uses child names of like the children would use so that even a young child could understand what the difference is. That's 
the immature part of the person's operating system. Then you have the mature aspect, which is, you know, the wolf is the warrior, which is incidentally my archetype. The sheep is the lover archetype. The gorilla is the sovereign. And the um, fox is the magician. So somewhere on the the warrior magician. Um, And it's easier to see this in graphic form. I haven't brought anything along, mainly because I, I feel it's important to credit Rory with this work. But it's very interesting because when you're working with a client and you can very quickly see their archetype and you have familiarity with the material, mm-hmm. you can say to someone like I can say to someone who's an inner world type, like a sheep who doesn't like conflict and will avoid conflict and won't say anything and won't tell you how they're really feeling. I can say, so do you have conversations in your head? all day long and they go oh my god the conversations in my head never stop and it's like you're a mind reader because you understand that there are patterns within the archetypes Mm -hmm. and of course people can fall in between the two but we usually have one primary survival archetype okay yeah so our survival archetype is the one that when we're really stressed that's the one we'll fall into Mm -hmm. yeah so that's the one that kind of triggers your primitive sort of defensive and everything else part of your brain that you immediately jump into in order to protect yourself and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. And and it's interesting that you were, use the word trigger because as you know, as a relationship coach yourself and a therapist, you know that the, the trigger is a big word in a relationship. And so the capacity to recognize what your own triggers are and know how to respond within yourself to a trigger yeah. is so empowering mm-hmm. and powerful. You know, because I'm the sort of person who'll just who just go, well, what do you mean? You know, and you can't <laughs> do that to people. And you especially can't do that to someone who's the sheep lover archetype, because they'll just go, whoa. Mm-hmm. And yep. yet that might be the person you are living with or yep. married to. Yeah, and these dynamics are fascinating, aren't they? So I, yeah. I think if people want to find out a little bit more about this, so the guy's name was Rory Kilmartin, you said. Yeah. Um, if you want, and I guess is there tests and and quizzes and stuff you can do online to find out what your type I is? I don't know if there are. There's there are master classes, but you can you can uh, okay. definitely look it uh, up. Okay, that's definitely something I'm going to look into as well because I have no yeah. idea what type is. I I do something kind of use the disc uh personality profile i love that something kind of similar it's it's where i use the graphs with that is is it tells you who who you see yourself as who you like other people to see you as and who you go into when you're stressed um i think again like this is like this that that primitive archetype type is okay when i'm when i'm not necessarily in control of my emotions how do i come across what kind of person do i become and and i think like you said it's very important yeah for the sake of yourself and and the relationships that you're in, that you really understand that part of yourself and and how you're triggered and and what that means and that leads to for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like a I like a disc profile too. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a good. I mean, you. I like all these metrics. I find them fascinating. <laughs> oh, you yeah. know, what's your conflict style? Mm. You know, what's your what's your disc profile? What is um, your attachment style? These are all 
really great reference points that you can help people understand who they are and the reasons why they behave the way they behave. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And I'm like the way you, in, in your bio is about understanding human kind of behavior as a whole, right? Because if I can, if I'm in a relationship with somebody and I can understand what's really going on for them at certain points and who they are as a person and how they like to be treated and what kind of things will trigger them and how they feel about themselves and how they behave at certain times, then I can manage that. So if I'm, if I choose to, I can manage that space better for them as much as I can for myself. Absolutely. Absolutely. So true. Mm. Yeah. And I like, I like the way that you, like you said, you hold people responsible for themselves and that's something which I, I remember when I when I got divorced and I found out that uh, certain things about what's going on, I went to my coach and I said, "Oh, you know, this has happened," and they went, "Oh, so what? What was your role in? <laughs> what was your role in why this relationship didn't work?" And I was like, "No, sympathy. Give me sympathy. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not telling you this because I want you to get me to think about this too hard." But that was the first thing they said to me, and it was it took me completely out of any kind of space I might have gone into blaming you know and not and not owning that space and it was very interesting that that was the first thing they said to me when I told them that I was I was separating from my ex-wife was what did you do <laughs> not like you know, they were blaming me because they know I'm a, a, load of, a load of trouble but it was yeah. like what was your role and what could you have done differently Either. yeah to get you out of the victim frame yeah, most definitely and it's very interesting yeah uh, and again, now that's it, isn't it? It's about owning that space and empowering people to go, okay, what is my space? How am I in this space? And what can I do about it? Well, absolutely. Which which kind of brings us to the decision thing, because it's 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 what who am I? How can I it's for me, it's always how can I step into the best version of myself? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where with relationships, where the rubber hits the road. Because you can be a lovely person all sitting on your own in your house, drinking cups of tea and watching telly. Mm. Of course you can, because you're not up against anything. But as soon as you're in a relationship, everything you are comes to the surface. Mm -hmm. Good, bad, ugly, beautiful, generous, kind. And you get to choose what you want to bring to the table. Mm. And I really believe in people. I believe that everyone has something to bring but sometimes it's just buried under a pile of everything else (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that is that's what you said about attachment style and other things that you know our our programming and how we react to things and what's really going on for us it is there's layers and layers and and if we want to get to that real genuine authentic part of ourselves we need to understand what those things are so that we can be that authentic and congruent self and actually be the person we want to be and offer what we want. When I do my coaching with people, I often ask them to write me a give list. And it's not like a want list. I do get them to look at that as well. It's okay, what do you want in your life as far as your relationship is? Wow. But it's actually feeling. What are you trying to give? What do you want to yeah. give to somebody else? It's not about what you're going to take all the time. It's not about what's right for you as far as what they're going to offer you all the time. It's about, okay, what are you prepared to give of yourself? And what could be holding you back from from doing that? Because, you need, again, if you're not authentic and giving in, in that space, how can you really expect someone else to fulfill everything that you would like in them as well? I absolutely love that, and I'm stealing it. <laughs> You'll be my guest. 
Well, we're all helping each other help each other, aren't we? For sure, yeah. For sure. Because, you know, more happy relationships, more happy families, more happy people, mm, more right. happy planet. Yeah. And and what difference does that make for you, I guess, in the relationship? Are you in a relationship now? I am. Yeah, I am. It's great. It's great. I think, I mean, look, before I talk about that, I would say that my my 20-year marriage, because you were talking about authenticity a minute ago, mm. I went too far into the give list. It right. was that I was trying to be the thing that I thought he wanted me to be rather than just be myself. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you want me to give up my music career and stay home and make dinner for you? Yeah, sure, I'll do that. Okay. You know, because you're you're so if you're desperate enough to have a relationship, many many people do this. They become something they want the other person. They think the other person wants you to be, yeah. and that can never work. It no. can't work unless you want to have a really awful relationship. So with my current partner was one of those weird online <laughs> online dating stories and uh he had contact we had we'd connected through online dating and at that point he didn't speak english very well and i said um he finally said oh i don't speak english well enough i'm just going to drop this we were just t- chatting on whatsapp and i went okay you're a loser that was my immediate judgment you know okay you're a loser yeah. forget it that far too easily yeah so six six months later I was going away to Spain for a month and my landlord was also Italian and his name was Giuseppe. So I texted him and said, do you have a blender? And my now partner texted me back and said, Hey, how you doing? What are you up to? I'm like, Oh God, this guy again. <laughs> this guy's in touch with me again. I said, I'm just off to Spain for a month. You know, just off to Spain. Don't bother me. Yeah. I said, oh, that's nice. Send me pictures. So I thought, okay, okay, I'll just go along with this. And uh, I was in Spain for a month. I came back. We met. We had a cup of tea. I was totally dreading it. I was like typing on Facebook to my female friends. I don't want to do this. It's just going to be another loser. I mean, really bad attitude for a relationship yeah. coach, right? Yeah. But, you know, it's just it's really fear coming up. That's what happens. It's like, yeah. it's, it's like managing potential disappointment. We well, met. Also, and, so there's a bit of conflict there in you because you're, you're, you're expecting this loser, but you're actually still prepared to go and meet him for a cup of tea. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, I just, I actually pushed myself, John, because, and this is another thing, if anybody listening to this is out there doing the dating game, you know, if you want, if you really do want to find someone, you're probably not going to find them by sitting at home in your house, <laughs> just swiping on Bumble. Yeah. You know, that's probably not the, the, so I thought I'd give him a try. And actually, as soon as I met him, I really felt at ease. He was just a really nice person. Yeah. And, um, you know, in the beginning, I'm even though I come across as extroverted and confident in the beginning of a relationship, I can actually be quite shy. So it's again, this slightly muted down version of myself. Mm-hmm. I thought if I, cause this is what happened in my last relationship. If I show him who I really am, my dancing around the kitchen and making up stupid songs, he's, he's going to run a mile because okay. my ex didn't like it. Right. And the more I revealed of myself, the more, the more he appreciated me. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and of course I appreciate him. He's got such a different personality to me. He's very, you know, he's got that grounding influence that I think many women really like in a guy is that feeling of, boom, I'm there for you. Mm, I don't want to stereotype, but it, it is really... It's a yeah. thing. Isn't one, it? of, one of my favorite phrases, and it often brings a little lump to my throat because it's something I've always thought in a relationship is uh, you've got this and I've got you. That feeling. Wow. That someone. Wow. Yeah, yeah. that's that, exactly that, it. That especially, I think it is, that's what we like to feel, isn't it? We like to feel that this person trusts us, believes in us, appreciates us enough to know that, you know, you, you've got this. But if you don't, I'm, st- I'm here. And that's what's really interesting about the story you told at the beginning of the call about the corporate woman, Mm. because, you know, even if you're in corporate and you're making a lot of money, you are going to need emotional, (laughs) you're definitely going to need some kind of emotional support because that's not easy. So you've got this and I've got you Mm. is so powerful in that context, isn't it? That's a beautiful, beautiful way of looking at it. Mm. The divine masculine. Most definitely, yeah. Uh, mm. So I interrupted you with saying that uh, this is what, you know, like you said, this is what people are looking for most. A lot of it is they're having that grounded relationship with someone that's got that stability for you. I think so. I mean, I can't speak for other women, and it may be that other women don't even realize that that's what they're looking for. Mm. But I do think that, um, again, it, this is like the archetype conversation. There's some polarity there you know this is me being grounded enables you to be creative and and playful and all that stuff so i do think there's something in this and we're all a mixture of masculine and feminine Mm -hmm. but um for me i don't want to speak for everyone but for me I never realized how important that was for me until I found it. Yeah. That's, you know, and that's the other beautiful thing about relationships. We aren't even aware of what the absence is sometimes, because if we didn't have it in our childhood, mm-hmm. we're not even aware it exists. Yeah. And that yeah. someone brings something to the table that's so vital. Yeah, I, 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 this is another thing again. I don't talk about myself again, but when I'm with the coach, I always ask my clients, especially if there's been this difficulty in, in childhood, is as a percentage out of 100, how much love, affection and support and everything do you actually think you got from your parents? And majority of the time, it's generally around 20, 30%. And I say, so what, what about the relationship you're in now? Or what about the relationships you've been in the past? And they go, okay, well, maybe 40, 50%. And I say, well, that feels like a massive improvement, right? Because you only got 20% as a kid. That's like 100% improvement if someone's giving you 40%, but you still got 60% missing. No wonder you're not happy in your relationships because you're settling for something that's better than anything you've ever maybe experienced, but you've still got a lot of stuff that's not there. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, because you, you don't know it's missing because you've never had it. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And then there's, of course, the other thing, which is, as you said, you know, the give list. Mm. what can you give to that person so yeah it's great it's yeah. a beautiful thing so, so with your your ex i mean that sounds like it was like you were giving over of yourself 
not necessarily because you wanted to it was because you needed to because they wanted you to be more subdued and and not be the creative extrovert kind of personality that made them feel uncomfortable i i don't want i want to be really clear i don't want to put any of the blame on him so i don't want this to i want to make sure it's framed yeah. correctly i Firstly, I'm American, as you can tell. He was a, he is a middle-class public school educated British reserved introvert. Okay. So, So, you know, you don't, if you're on the tennis court, you don't when someone else comes on go, hey, Dave, how you doing? Mm -hmm. Which is what I do. Mm -hmm. You know, so I had I I felt that I had to be this other person. Now, I don't know whether he would like the real version of me or not because by the time I decided to leave the relationship, it had the rot had just gone. There we were really at a point of no return by that time. Yeah. And I'm sure that what attracted him to me in the first place was who I was, you know, mm-hmm. I was a professional singer. I was uh, lively. I was a lot of fun and, and he probably loved all that. Yeah. Again, it's different when you're in a relationship. I hate cooking. And I told him that I was happy to do the cooking. I mean, who does that? <laughs> <laughs> That's like, I don't hate it, but I really don't like it. And planning yeah. a meal for two kids seven nights a week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. Just, you know, and then there's the whole thing of when you have kids, navigating all that makes it even harder. Mm-hmm. It can make it even harder. Easy to make a really bad meal the first time. So he never asked you to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting, it's you know that actually then subconsciously you gave up of yourself. Like you said, because you you you're not you don't even know if that's what what he wanted, but he but you thought in some way you, that you needed to offer something of yourself which wasn't really congruent and and wasn't who you were. Absolutely, and you know what's the weirdest thing? I have had after I left him, I had two very close friends say, "Thank God you left him because I didn't even." recognize you once you got into that relationship Mm -hmm. can you imagine Mm -hmm. these were friends that i'd pretty much lost touch with it wasn't that they didn't like him he's a very nice man there's nothing very bright very successful nice guy great father but not for me and that's okay and he's in a really happy partnership now and so am i I'm just really mad at him that he found his before I found mine. (laughs) (laughs) Yours was much, it was worth the wait. (laughs) It was definitely worth the wait. Yeah. Yeah, If you hadn't had that six months, who knows in between. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's fascinating, isn't it? Like you said, even, you know, subconsciously the decisions that we make without realizing that we're making those decisions. That's the point. Mm. Yeah. We don't realize we're making them. And that work that you do with your clients is about bringing that to light, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And having those conversations and making sure, you know, like, what is it you really want? Who are you really? Mm -hmm. 
But again, I do have to say the whole part about taking responsibility and making sure you're not blaming the other person for the decisions that you made and the ways in which you colluded. I sound like a real hard ass, don't I? Hey, it's, uh, but it's true, though, isn't it? Even I think about my first relationship when I left home, I was only 19, 20, and it was a really abusive space. Not knowing any better than that as a 19, 20 year old, I kind of thought that her obsessive love was love, but it wasn't. But I still allowed her to abuse me because I still did everything that I thought she wanted me to do in order to get her to love me. And she was the person that no matter how much you loved her, she would never feel love. So she was constantly throwing that back in your face and causing a huge amount of chaos and destructiveness because of the insecurities within herself. But looking back now, I can say, oh, she was nasty and she treated me like this and treated me like that. But I was there for my own reasons. I was there because I wanted to feel loved. And I allowed her to treat me in that way because I wanted her to love me. And her obsessiveness over our relationship, to me, felt like everything I'd ever wanted in somebody that I didn't get as a kid, which was someone who really wanted me there. And her abuse was a way of me feeling love because I thought she must really love me to be acting in such a crazy um, yeah. uh, uh, and horrible and <laughs> like clinging on to this relationship for desperate so desperately it, it to me it was like a proof of love but it, it wasn't but I was making that choice based on what I needed or thought I needed at that time yeah I thought you needed so you enabled her most definitely well no it was a very codependent type space hmm um, exactly. and, and I just want to shift away a little bit from you know what we've been talking about to make sure we talk tell me about the Buddhism um because you said you've been sure uh, sure so most people think of Buddhism is like you know shaving your head and wearing orange robes and it's really nothing like that at all the Buddhism I practice it's called the Buddhism of Nichiren Daishonin and you know with 35 years practice mm-hmm. I've learned a lot we're in a time right now where there are a lot of new agey, you know, principles and personal development is huge and mm. it's in massive growth. But actually the inter- in underpinning I had through Buddhist philosophy already gave me a substantial grounding in all of that. So even though I don't have a traditional route of becoming a coach, I have, again, these are all frameworks, aren't they? You know, we talked about archetypes and conflict styles and attachment styles and blah, blah, blah. Buddhism gives you frameworks like um, things like the importance of self and other, the the way we navigate through life, the the idea of cause and effect, causality, that the way you behave is going to affect, um, you know, what comes back in your life. And... um, the idea one one of the introductory books on Buddhism is called the Buddha in your mirror. So it's seeing that you are Buddha, meaning you are, you have this potential inside you and everyone has that potential. Mm -hmm. And it's a question of cultivating and causing that potential to arise Mm -hmm. so that you, you know, the, the, the modern way of, saying it would be love your, you know, to really, truly love yourself, to really be authentic. Mm -hmm. And these are all things that Buddhism teaches. Mm -hmm. So when I came across personal development, I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. 
you know, because I'd I'd been studying the same principles. Buddhism is a practical philosophy for daily life. Right. Okay. I think at its best. Yeah. Where it becomes a restrictive religion, I'm not I'm not up for that. That's not my thing. Mm. Uh, but but the the ethos, the principles, the idea that you polish your own life if you want it to be reflected elsewhere, all those things. So that has a huge, it's just kind of like a backbone. Right. Do you know what I mean? So it's always there. Yeah. It's never not there because 30 years is a long time to be, to be committing to something like that and to be learning about something like that and how life works. Yeah. What really works. And the, and you know, the fact that, um, the idea that of an inter- eternal impact, the idea of karma, of the that the fact that we're born is to fulfill our life's purpose of transformation and growth. Right. And that relationships, in my opinion, as I've said before, are the perfect place to do that. Re- they're the hardest place to do it. Mm. So, yeah. Obviously, best. Yeah, it's interesting because relationships are those, like you said, they're those things which will, if there is something going on under the surface for you, they they are the things that will bring it to the surface. Absolutely. <laughs> they're the things that matter to you the most. And they're always going to be the things that if there's something not quite right for you, that you're going to react to. And that's why our job is so important is because we're shining a light on that. Mm. That's what we're doing. We're shining a light on why isn't your life working? Let's have, let's take a look at that. Let's unpack it. Yeah. And I guess you can bring those principles again, like into your work, right? Because like you said, even if it's, you may not necessarily use what, how the Buddhist term might describe it. It's, no, I it's all very much, like you said, what's going on in the personal and self-development world at the moment. It's about, I think there's a quote. It's, I mean, even now, I think it was an Aristotle quote. It says, "Knowing thyself is the beginning of all wisdom," or something mm-hmm. along those lines. But it's, it's that bringing that sense of who you are, what you're doing, how you're doing it, how you're living your life, and and knowing yourself through that process is really what this kind of personal and self development thing is all about now, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. The other thing about having a leadership position in Buddhism that's really interesting is that people come to you for something called guidance and guidance is never about telling someone what to do. Just as in our work, it's not about telling someone what to do. Mm. It's telling someone how to look at their problems. So for example, someone will come to me complaining about something that the, the encouragement as I'm going to call it might be, well, what are you grateful for in your life? And I know that sounds simplistic, but when someone really goes away and does that properly, it's powerful. Mm. So yeah. Buddhist guidance is is really, um, advice is never the right, I, I don't think it's unless someone's uh, about to run out in front of a car or something, but you know, it's not about giving advice. It's about helping people to see things in a way that's going to benefit them, that's going to move the needle. Yeah, that's definitely. I bring that, like you said, that's that self awareness, and mm-hmm. then I guess in in the coaching kind of things, we can then look at the paths uh, that are possible. 
yeah and, and then it's up to the individual then to decide what path that is that they then want to take that might yeah. be different from the path that they're on at the moment absolutely mm. and i think uh, you know another thing that we haven't talked about is this whole idea of making a decision mm-hmm. even if the decision is whether it's to stay or whether it's to go getting to the point of decision a decision is what moves the needle mm. because if you can't commit to something you're just kind of floating around in limbo land there is a place for that there is a place for letting the answer come to you um but at some point a decision needs to happen yeah well even like you said with that even if the decision comes even if the thing comes to you you still have to make a decision about what you're going to do with that thing that's come to you i mean i again i talk about this a lot in my coaching when we talk about resistance to change it's like okay that thing there is now right in front of me and i know that if i make this decision rather than what i'm doing right now it's going to generally get i'm probably going to get a, a different and more positive result but am i going to take that opportunity am i going to make a decision to to change things and when your brain gets familiar with a certain space and it loves that little coziness of familiarity it, it can be really difficult thing to step out of that can't it absolutely it takes courage mm. it takes courage yeah yeah and i guess that's all about that understanding space again isn't it mm. okay why would i not take that opportunity is, is a really good question yeah yeah, yeah. And and getting people out of inertia, inertia is inertia is it's there is the illusion that um, doing nothing, you like being in a, in that in that space of of not moving in either direction. There is a time for it, as I say. Mm. Generally speaking, you're either moving forward or moving. I believe you're either moving forward or you're moving backward. I mean, I think it's. I feel it's a universal law. You know, if you don't go to the gym, your muscles atrophy, and it's it's that basic, really. It's and again, that's another Buddhist principle. There isn't like a there isn't a life is not static mm-hmm. for one nanosecond. Life is not static, mm-hmm. so you're moving in the direction of growth or decline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think someone I read, every moment I read someone say that if you're if you're standing still, you're going backwards. <laughs> you are. Yeah. You are. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I really like the way that you put across those kind of that idea of, of Buddhism. It's a, it's a guide, isn't it? it um, like you said, it can be if if people become too indoctrinated in certain spaces, it can cause you sometimes more harm than 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 it than it benefits you. Um, but I like the way that you put that across. It's actually a guide of principles and ideas and ways of living your life and and seeking out that purpose that is going to make you feel like your life is is worth living i guess to a certain yeah, absolutely um another really great buddhist phrase is um karma uh is mission and casting off the transient and revealing the true which is a kind of a superman moment or a wonder woman moment where the cape you know you you put your cape on this the suit comes off and the cape goes on and you're you're, you you realize that the stuff that happens to you, to you, <laughs> is the stuff that's there for you to transform. It has a function. It's It has a function. Okay. That everything that's negative that happens has a function. But you get to choose 
whether you make it a point of transformation or as we were saying, decline. Mm. That's a very Buddhist comp. Uh, we say uh, deliberately assuming the appropriate karma, which is big. That's really big. Like, okay, I've kind of called this into my life because I know it's something I have to transform. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? That actually you're at, you, the things that are happening, you're actually bringing towards you because they they then something needs to change so a decision needs to be made um, mm. and, and and you like you said you can either then say woe is me this is happening to me and i'm helpless and in disempowered and i can't do anything about it or i can take hold of it and go okay what am i learning from this and how can i now take this forward exactly yeah exactly yeah thank you um we are well, unfortunately rapidly running out of time um, so I'd, if people would like to uh, find out more about how uh, how you work, how to work with you and the things that you're doing, um, how would they do that? Well, they can either find me on Facebook because I'm all over the place on that. They can look okay. me up there. They can see what I write about, what I talk about pretty much on a daily basis. I'm more of a, a I'm more of a like not a really formal type of person. So there's that. There is also um, my email, which I can give you. It's although it's a funny spelling because my name is a funny spelling. So okay. it'll be in it'll be in the notes anyway. So if you want to tell people what that is, and we'll make sure that they can email you via the show. Yeah, it's cjosias at mac dot com. C J O S I A S at mac dot com, and. Um, I think what I would do is I would encourage you, particularly if you happen to be a woman who's on the fence about her relationship, I have a webinar specifically about that. It's called the Relationship Clarity Blueprint, and I'm very happy to send that to you. But I don't want to um, I don't want to say that I only work with women because what I'm finding increasingly is that I don't know why, but guys seem to want to work with me too maybe they think that i'm this this wise but slightly unconventional older mother <laughs> i don't know john you tell me what do you I think, think they just think that you get it i think that's the thing i think you know you i think that's a, a very i'm going to say male but it's a very masculine thing isn't it is that they 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 like to be clear i think and i think right thank you know, you. you know and i think you, you make it very clear that this is what we're going to understand what the problem is and now we're going to move forward and I think that's a very masculine type energy is to say okay I I know there's a problem I want to understand the problem and I want to do something about it right I love that that's so helpful Mm. because I do always say I'm very direct I hope you're okay with that and they're all all, men are always like please absolutely absolutely please be direct (laughs) yeah Okay, right. would you like me to whip you too? No. Just... <laughs> <laughs> yes, can you do it over Zoom? <laughs> Slap. <laughs> I think that's a whole different uh, a whole different online service. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't yeah. got an fans. I'm sorry guys, I don't <laughs> provide that. Just letting you know up front, okay? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, maybe we'll cut if there is, we'll come back and do a different podcast about that. <laughs> <laughs> so people can get hold of that again. The link for that will be in the show notes. 
Um, and that's to get onto your webinar. We've got a link um, for you to be able to get uh, access to that um, webinar um, via the website. That's amazing. Thank you. And uh, just to leave perhaps the listeners with a favorite quote or word of wisdom. Yes. What did I say my favorite quote was? I know what it was. <laughs> Hang on. I, you know what? I'll be really honest with you. I just, I just thought I'm going to just type in something about decision. And I love this. It was mm -hmm. the risk of a wrong decision is preferable to the terror of indecision. And I think that is so true because you can sit on the fence stewing and stewing and wondering. And I'm telling you, life goes so fast. You don't want to waste time doing that. You really, really don't. Because you could be either improving your relationship or deciding that you're ready to start again. Mm -hmm. And yes, I'm aware that there are lots of ramifications there, especially if you have kids. But honestly, your kids want to see you having the best life you can. Yeah, and I, th I think that's a very important point you just made there. Because again, we amount of people I've spoken to over the time, so, you know, stay together for the sake of the kids. And that, like, and most of the time, the kids are like, "When are you two splitting up?" <laughs> because yep. like, it's horrible to be in this kind of space with you two, kind of fighting and arguing all the time. And I also really like the fact, actually, that you're looking at it from two. When I first became a relationship therapist, my idea was people are coming to therapy because they want to save their relationship. But actually, I was surprised how many times people came and sat down and went, "We want to know if we need to split up or not." right we're not, we're not necessarily here for you to help us to, to help us save this relationship i want you to try and give us some clarity on whether we should be together or not absolutely so that's that's precisely my space mm. because i do really genuinely know that what's on the other side is amazing if you do decide to leave mm. my life is is completely transformed my income quadrupled my joy in my relationship i can't even put a number on that it's completely different it's a different life mm. and um it's not because my my life was bad before i had a very nice life nice holidays two beautiful kids nice house in north london all that but you can't put a price on living authentically you cannot put a price on that no, I completely agree. And I think that's a great place for us to, to finish. Uh, thank you for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Corey. Um, if you do want to reach out, please do reach out to Corey to find out about more about what she does and how she can help. And uh, thanks again for being a guest on the show today. Thank you. And take care. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, follow and review the show. That is very much appreciated. And please do reach out if you would like to know more about how you can create healthy, intimate relationships in your life. I will leave you with this quote from Carl Bond. Although we can't go back and make a brand new start, we can start now and make a brand new ending. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Relationship Guide.